Welcome to another episode of Mentor Musings. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Brett. Brett, hello. JC, good to see you. Happy Friday to you. Happy Friday. We're surviving the snowocalypse in Chicago. For any of you others in the Midwest or apparently down in Texas, we hope you're being safe. So, Brett, I, I want to dive right in. I had an interesting conversation with a founder this week, and, and this is a question or a comment, I should say, that I, I, I've heard before, but I'm curious to get your take. They were telling me about their market. They hadn't launched their product yet. They were still in that kind of aspire ideation stage. And they told me with absolute certainty that they do not have any competitors. And, and at first when they said that, I was reluctant to believe them. So before I go further, let me ask you this. Do you think there are a lot of startups out there that uh, truly don't have any competition or what are your thoughts on that? I would say 99.9% no, there is going to be a competition and, you know, and we can get into kind of how I define it. But I mean, number one competition for anybody you're selling to is do nothing, right? Don't buy, do nothing. So you're competing against not taking any action. So there's already built in competition, if you will, in that space. But, you know, rarely do I find something that's so new, so different that you're just going, you know, unimpeded, right? Even like an Airbnb, they've got competition, even though they're doing it completely different. So I would, my, my first blush answer is there's always competition. So I'm curious as to what was your answer back? <laughs> you, you, you took the words right out of my mouth, Brett, is that doing nothing or, or what I would categorize as an alternative competitor uh, is always something that startups have to be aware of. I mean, I can appreciate the fact that a lot of times you're going to categorize your competition, not just as competition, like a binary yes or no, but really more of a degree of competition. And so that's why, you know, on, on, on one end of the spectrum, the, the, the no competition, the, the, the alternatives, the things that people aren't doing, they just aren't using your product. That's one table of analysis for competition. Then on the other end of the spectrum, there are direct competitors. And these are people who, let's say, have a similar or the same platform that you are on to kind of deliver your product or service, and they're targeting the exact market that you're targeting. So, you know, maybe from a feature to feature or platform to platform standpoint, there's real direct alignment. You're both going after the same piece of pie. But then there's a middle group as well. And there's usually a much larger group here, which are just indirect competitors. So, you know, the example before is, you know, a direct competitor, somebody's on the same platform and targeting the same market. Maybe they are one or the other. Your indirect competitors are targeting the same market, but they're not on the same platform or they don't deliver their service or product the same way you do. Or somebody who's on the same platform in the same directional market, but that target market that you're going after isn't necessarily the same. So I think my advice and my response was like you, uh, kind of apprehensive and, and kind of you know, side smiling saying, I think you're probably wrong, but also to challenge them to think about direct, indirect and alternative competition. Yeah, and I think, it, again, I'm, I always like to break things down into super simple, right? So, you know, if you think about it for, with your offering is what problem are you solving or what value are you adding, right? And who else is doing that? So it may not be, to your point, a direct head-to-head, -head, but if you're, you know, if this is a consumer product, you know, the, the customer's hungry, right? There's a thousand different options, even though yours fits in a category that's completely different and there's nobody else in the 
you know, I can't even think of what's, I'm sure there's categories out there and healthy, some new nuts, whatever it is that doesn't fit. But in the same breath, there's other alternatives they can find something to eat. So I know that's simplified. And then on the B2B side, the same thing. If I'm solving a problem for a customer, right? I think too quickly we default back to features and benefits. Well, nobody else has this feature. Nobody else has this benefit. But if you look at, take a step back and say, well, what is the value to the customer, the prospect that I'm selling to? Do they even care about this feature and benefit? And if the competition doesn't have it, do they care, right? So if you take it up to that macro level, what is the problem you're solving or the value you're adding? Then look at the universe to see who else is is targeting that same customer. That makes sense? It does, yeah. The thing that I always like to focus on when I'm talking to founders is is those simple examples. And I think one that is probably on a lot of people's radar right now is Clubhouse. And I know, Brett, you and I have talked about it. There might be some mental amusings, participation in Clubhouse in the future, but it's something that a lot of people are talking about right now. You look at that social media platform kind of from a feature to feature standpoint, there's not a lot of direct competition out there, but there is a lot of indirect competition and a significant amount of alternatives as well. You know, Facebook is not a direct competitor, let's say necessary to Clubhouse, nor is Instagram or LinkedIn or anybody else, but they are serious indirect competitors, especially because, and this is what I want to talk about next as well, they have the ability to look at what Clubhouse is doing and then consider rapidly adopting that. And in fact, as an FYI, social media in the technology world is a place where most of the innovation that happens, most of the new features that LinkedIn, Facebook, um, Twitter ad, they are extensions after an already uh, kind of launched product proves in the marketplace they will then kind of rapidly adopt that feature as well. So, you know, that indirect competition, it's easy to say, well, I have no direct competitors and Clubhouse could say that, but they'd be fools not to identify that indirect competitors are important to them as well because they can just start doing what they're doing and then all of a sudden they're a direct competitor. Yeah, and even a, even a step parallel to that, I guess, would be the time commitment, right? So if I'm learning, I can go to podcasts, I can go to Clubhouse, I can go to LinkedIn, I have all these others. So you are still competing with those other channels, even though that the platform, I think in your original um, example was spot on, right? It's not the same platform, but we're going after the same thing, learning whatever folks on Clubhouse are looking for. Uh, can we go on a rant for a second, just as a tangent? Because <laughs> you got me thinking about LinkedIn, you know, like Instagram has done a good job adopting every Everybody's Twitter has now picked up, you know, the live, the stories. LinkedIn is getting there, but man, how come we can't get the functionality right on LinkedIn for a B2B business tool? You know, I still have a lot of folks that use LinkedIn Messenger. And it's just a pain in the ass. Why is there not a better email interface that I can track messages or sort or move like I would on a simple email interface at this point in time? If they want people to stay on the platform, why is there not more tools? They're spending time on, you know, LinkedIn Live, which again could be a good tool, but if I can't manage who's seeing it, so anyway, that's my side rant for the day. But no, <laughs> it just no, frustrates no, me. Number one, we're startup mentors. Pivots are everywhere. So pivoting these conversations is I think everybody would appreciate. It and I think it's a valuable insight, but it's also one of those things where just to continue down this pivot for a second, it, it also helps you appreciate why disruptive innovation can happen. So, why 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 aren't we all just using Facebook for everything? Why aren't we all just using Google and Amazon for everything? Like we think about these big market players, and there's actually a really great article uh, on Harvard Business Review covers this topic. It's called The Economic Theory of Disruptive Innovation. And it's basically the, the economic breakdown as to why a new entrant 
can come into a marketplace in any established market where there are really, really big and established players and why they can take a piece of that and actually become a market maker themselves at some point. Um, and, and I won't break down the whole thing, but again, in social media, especially this is true, it's the new players that make these changes. It's not the old players. So the reason why LinkedIn hasn't done it yet is because a new player hasn't done it yet. So LinkedIn can replicate it and scale it, you know? Um, And so I think what you're going to look for in any of these spaces, especially in big tech is for a smaller player. Maybe some of the people who are listening to this podcast or this uh, series, you know, maybe they have ideas that are small in the marketplace. Well, you know, again, just kind of circling everything back, yeah, you're going to go in, you're going to validate that. And then these other big players, they might try something innovative that might work. I mean, look at Google Plus, you know, Google Plus failed experiment, didn't work at all, really. I mean, I do think everybody's predicting it's going to have a resurgence here soon, but it's neither here nor there. What you have is these new entrants coming into the space and they're the ones who are proving out the innovation. And then once they've done it, then the big players have the scale to be able to say, okay, I'll do it. So I think you're going to see LinkedIn or these other platforms start to have more features that you want once you see little players come in and actually establish a little bit of a yeah, that makes sense. And to, I mean, to, to kind of play off to your point a little bit with Clubhouse, every one of these social platforms had the capability to be able to offer what Club, Clubhouse is offering, but yet none of them did or they didn't do it to the level of success that Clubhouse got. So it's created a new sense of urgency, something new. Obviously, they got some really big names that are out talking on their airwaves, which helps. But, you know, it's, it's a good point. And, you know, probably t- circling back to the competition standpoint, you know, I think, again, as you're looking at it as a new founder, depending on where you are in your journey. And if you haven't done this, again, I highly encourage you to take my simple approach of what problem do you solve for the customer? How do you solve it? How do you more importantly solve it differently than anybody else that's out there? And do you have the proof points, right? Do you have testimonials or whatever it is in order to, you know, fit the references that you need? Again, super simple, but it's amazing the number of founders that can't answer those questions because we're still leading with either features or benefits or something new and cool, which I'm not dismissing. It's part of it. But unless you can 100% clearly articulate the problem you're solving for those customers, you're going to struggle when it comes to defining market and competition. So that's my my advice for a Friday morning. <laughs> right. Well, and, and, and it also goes back to the value of, of knowing your competition. So I think yes. we can all intuitively understand why it's good that you are aware if there is competition. But one thing that I want to stress to founders, because I hear this all the time, especially when they're in that kind of that, that, that go, no go mode, right? Every founder who's thinking about starting a business, there's a huge opportunity cost and they're out there, they're analyzing the market. And a lot of them want to believe, I think in some cases that there's no competition, that they've uncovered some beautifully untouched patch of grass. that's going to be so much easier to, to go after. And yes, if that were true, that, Of course, it would be easier. But what I want people to know and what I tell founders is the value of knowing competition is not only when there's no competition, but actually when you're evaluating the competition, being aware that, hey, from a fundraising standpoint, are other people able to raise money from a revenue standpoint? Are other people able to convince people to buy this product or service from a scoping standpoint so that you can address, hey, how big is the opportunity here? Am I going to get, you know, $100,000 into this or a couple million dollars into this and realize, nope, there's really not a big total addressable market, you know, from a differentiation, but even from a recruiting standpoint, I mean, sometimes you can look at a competitive set just based on trying to recruit similar resources, whether it's sales and marketing or technology, you know, having an understanding that you you have competitors in your space is valuable. And, and let me just say this, 
if you don't have competitors in your space, you're probably wrong, but it doesn't mean that the idea may not, is not worth pursuing. You need to, to still actively pursue it. In fact, I would say having competition makes me more excited about an option and an opportunity because, again, we can see these other validation points and play off of it. Yeah, the market's going to be bigger. And I think to your point, sometimes when there is no known or seen competition or it's super fragmented and there's just a bunch of small little players, are you going to have trouble getting traction with your product because there's not this awareness around what they're doing? I was, I was talking to a founder this week about that very question. They're, they're, they are solving a problem, I think, right now. And even the founder realizes this is more of a need-to-have problem or nice-to-have than a need-to-have. And the approach is going to be different, right? You're going to have to work a little bit harder when the when your market views you as a nice to have. Hey, that'd be kind of cool, but man, I don't see how it's going to truly impact my business. You're just going to have to work twice as hard. I'm not saying it's a go no go, but just be forewarned that it's going to be a, a tougher sled. In the same breath, if you flip it and say, "Man, this is a big problem," what we do have it, there's probably going to be more competition, so you're going to have to be really super differentiated. So. Um, it's never as simple as the first answer and it can be nuanced, but I think I always have to go in with the idea that the competition is there. And if it's not, is the market, to your point, going to be big enough and how much time and traction is it going to take for it to, to really get it to where you want it to be? Yeah, you're, you're, you're building a, an opportunity for yourself, but you're building the market with others. And, and I think as much as we talk about competition, there is a co-opetition in that effect as well, where you're all benefiting from introducing your target market to this idea. So the best product, the best service and the best strategy can put out. That's very well said, Brett. Yeah, I think we're coming up on time. Any final thoughts on competition that, uh, that you wanted to share? Yeah, I would just leave on one other kind of a kind of pivot from that, but an add on that says if you're still in kind of the discovery phase of what you're looking to do with your company and you're only searching for, a, you know, a solution or a product that's not out there yet, I would encourage you to look at older industries, right, where the opportunities with a product may be good. The need is there, but these companies are, I would say, outdated, not efficient. You can sell the exact same product, but what you had just mentioned, a much better experience, highly efficiently build a better model for it. You're going to crush those those companies. So it's a long-winded answer to say, don't only look just at the competition side, but where there may be competition, but the, the offering or the service is subpar is a real strong opportunity right now. That may be a whole different episode. But <laughs> As always, right? As always. Exactly. Well, I think it's a great conversation, a great topic, an important topic for startups and, and companies at every stage. Um, that's it, everybody. Another episode of Mentor Musings. Thanks for listening in. As always, Brett and I are happy to be here, have you part of the conversation. Subscribe, like, comment. Let us know what you think. You're part of the community. We want to hear from you. So, yeah, everybody, and, good and luck with just, your ventures. Sorry, Jason. <laughs> the only thing I would add as this, you know, we continue to gain some momentum is, you know, hit us with your question. Is there a topic or an area that's top of mind for you? More than happy to, to dig into that as well. 100%. Absolutely, everybody. In fact, just leave us a comment to let us know you listened this far. How about that? Like, I'm curious how many people listen to the end. Just leave a comment and say, say musings in the comment section. Let us know that you made it this far. And at least Brett and I will know that uh, you're listening to all of our ramblings. So and maybe that's that, a future, maybe that's a future contest for us down the road to see Ooh. who's listening till the oh, end. Oh, that's, that's a good one. We're, we're gonna, Dennis, our producer, please remember and remind us that, uh, that we're going to do that. We're going to do a competition to see who lasts. Maybe we'll do some free office hours or consultation yeah, or something. That's a good idea. But, um, but anyway, awesome. 
Great stuff, Brett. Have a great uh, rest of your week. Great weekend. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Chat next week. Bye.